Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you are a content creator and you want a great program that provides studio quality sound, especially when you're doing interviews, then I encourage you to check out Zencaster. That's right, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. It is my absolute favorite program to record with. I encourage everyone to check it out, okay? Visit Zencaster.com for more information. Enjoy. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. And as I promised, folks, you know, year six, we are definitely doing it up big here. WrestleMania. I mean, a lot of people say it's the best WrestleMania that they've had in years and one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. Two nights, just complete chaos all over the place. Uh, Celebrities and, and title changes and everything else in between. And I said, you know something, I could have this conversation with anybody, but there was one person in particular who was a very, very big hit the last time she was on the show. And I did ask her to come back to talk about this. And, you know, the Duke's a man of his word. So without further ado, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. I call her Mo Muscles, Edge's Throat Goat, a.k.a. Mo Throat, a.k.a. Hide your husband, hide your boyfriend, hide them all. She's coming for you, baby. What's going on there, Bo? Oh, my gosh. Thank you again with the fucking iconic introductions. Like, no one has ever put me over harder than you, man. But <laughs> I, I love keep, it. But, yes, I'm back, bitches. You got to take me on the road with you. I'm, I'm telling you right now, this could be a thing. Before you walk into a room, just give me a mic, and I'll take care of the rest, okay? <laughs> I would love that. I would fucking love that. I've been anticipating this since I watched the show, and I'm super duper excited to cover it. Like, I'm super duper excited. Like I told you earlier, I got my Jack and Coke in my hands. I know it's Sunday. It's like 1.30 where I'm at. But let's get it on, bitches. I'm ready to talk some wrestling. So, wait, wait, wait. We got to talk about this Jack and Coke for a second, because I, I, I need to yeah. know the recipe. All right, because a lot of people hear Jack and Coke, and they think that, you know, you just pour a little booze, pour a little Coke, and you're good to go. But it's like, I'm the type of person where I like to get my measurements precise because it can affect the taste. Some days I want the drink to be a little a little stronger than other days. So so what kind of Jack and Coke is Mo Muscles having right now? Well, first of all, it's Gentleman's Jack. That's what I, that's, that's a Jack that I just prefer. Um, as far as my measurements, um, I've been told that I drink a little <laughs> Like, I prefer more liquor than the juice or whatever you know beverage of choice that i'm going with so um it's it's like in ratio i want to say one half liquor and then probably like a fourth maybe one third <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna be pretty fucked up during this stream but i'm, I'm fine i'm perfectly fine with it what? so so basically you have uh <laughs> coca-cola uh flavored jack right is that what it is 
Yeah, that's that's the vibe I always go for. I like to taste the liquor. Some people don't like the taste of it, but I actually enjoy the taste of liquor. I love it. I love it. Okay, so we know you're about to be live mm-hmm. here. So so then let's talk. Oh, I'm about very it. live. <laughs> overall, both nights combined. Overall, what what's your general impression of WrestleMania 38? Did you find it was something that was worth watching? Were you disappointed in between? Overall, what's the vibe? I was so taken back by how good of a fucking job WWE did. Like, I was taken back. To me, personally, I thought it was one of the best WrestleManias in recent time because the the last few were kind of, I don't want to say they were afterthoughts, but I'm going to say they are afterthoughts. Um, I was taken back by the surprises, um, the placement of the matches, how good most of them were. There were probably one or two from each night that I would just chop off because they were unneeded. But if they were to have get rid of like maybe the first two matches of each show, I do think it would have been one of the best WrestleManias in recent memory because I feel as though it did mix the old with the new. It was something that satisfied fans that were longtime fans. And I feel like it's something that satisfied the modern day fans, you know, which is something that I don't think I really had them seen them do. So when I saw that, I was, I was very taken back. Like, I was like, I don't know if if it's AEW or something that has Vince lighting a fire underneath his ass and getting to work. But I was like, I don't know who is in, who's in the back. I don't know who's in the back pulling these strings, but whoever is, they need to stay there. <laughs> they need to stay there because this, this is the momentum. This is the type of excitement I want to have as a wrestling fan. I feel like for the first time in a while, I was excited and proud to be a pro wrestling fan. That's how I walked away from both night one and night two. Well, that's that's high praise right there. And I agree with you. I, I definitely feel that it was worth the entertainment. Um, WrestleMania is always a special time for me. I got to get my food ready. I got to get my drinks ready. I, I wear my different shirts and all that good stuff. And, you know, unlike a lot of people, I don't mind the all day wrestling stuff going on. It's it's a it's like a, a whole movement. It's like a holiday. So I, I enjoy getting wrapped up into the spectacle. Um, but I agree. It was it was definitely a, a great event, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come for the year. If they can keep this momentum going, because I, I haven't seen WWE have this much positive feedback in a long, long time. If they can keep this momentum mm-hmm. going, uh, Tony Khan, I don't know what he's going to do with himself, because you see him this week. He's already melting down online. He's talking about bots. Uh, he's got conspiracy theories. I don't know who shot JR. He's a PR team, child. You know what I'm saying? There might be aliens uh, flying around or something. I don't know what the hell's going on with this poor guy, but they need to take the Twitter away from him because he's having a tough time because the attention is on WWE and certainly not on him for any positive reasons there. Um, which, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, man. If, you, if you're going to claim you're competing, then you better compete, you know? But mm-hmm. I don't know how you compete with over 70,000 people two nights in a row. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. tough to do, right? Oh, totally, totally. I, again, I was just so taken back. Um, but it's interesting that you said that because I felt like, you know, I was excited to go into um, Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. And then it kind of went back to the same old shit. So it's just like, all right, who was the person who was responsible for WrestleMania 38? Because I need that person back. Like, he needs to do all the booking, whoever that was. <laughs> That's a good point. You know? That's a good point. Yeah. We need to get to the bottom of this, Mo. We, we need to find out <laughs> who the magician was and, and why they disappeared back into the sunset here. This doesn't make sense, right? I don't believe it was Vince. 
I, I need to know who it was. Like, I'm not sure if it was a Paul Heyman move or something. I don't know. But that person needs to stay front and center of all WWE bookings moving forward. I, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you. So, so let's get into the card, actually. Uh, and we'll start with Saturday. Let me go over some results, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about some highlights here. Um, there are seven matches on, on Saturday. First match, uh, the SmackDown uh, World Tag Team Championship was on the line. The Usos defeated Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Next match, we had uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Happy Corbin. And uh, Mad Cat, Madcap Moss was there as well. Uh, next match, The Miz versus Logan Paul. This was, a, excuse me, The Miz and Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Miz and Logan Paul picking up the victory at WrestleMania. Ridiculous. It, it, was, it was just crazy, that whole match there. Um, then we had Bianca Belair. She defeated Becky Lynch, so she got her, her title back, you know, the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Then we have the surprise of the night. Cody Rhodes defeats Seth freaking Rollins. 21 minutes there, and they definitely beat the hell out of each other. Uh, next, we had Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair. She defeated Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then to end the night, which is this is kind of controversial for some folks, Stone Cold Steve Austin had a no-holds-barred match against Kevin Owens, and he beat the living daylights out of him for almost 14 minutes. So that was the card. Let's start from the middle here. What did you think about The Miz and Logan Paul defeating Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio? Because that, that was a match that got a lot of mainstream attention. Um, well, I'm not a Logan Paul fan, but um, he made me a fan against my will. <laughs> because <laughs> it was a very good match. And I was, I was mad. I was like, why is he so good? I don't like you. <laughs> I don't want to like you, but I like you because nothing makes me more happier than when I see... Um, an outsider come in and they take this very seriously because again i'm a long time pro wrestling fan i hate when people come in they just treat it like it's just like a side gig for them but he took it very seriously he executed a lot of the moves better than half the roster when i saw logan paul pull a three amigos i was like oh no he's not gonna do this he's not gonna do this but no he got the hip rotation and everything and he pulled a three amigos i was like oh and then the frog splash. It was crisp. It was fucking crisp. I was mad as hell. Cause like, no, he can't be this good. He cannot be this good. But he is. And he took it very seriously. And therefore I cared. Cause I initially went in not caring for this match. Cause not for nothing. I'm not a Miz fan. And I love Rey Mysterio, but I like Rey Mysterio by himself, not with his son. I'm sorry if anyone fucking actually I'm not sorry. Um if, if anyone disagrees with me on that. But I prefer Rey Mysterio by himself. So going into this match, I didn't care. And I didn't care for the build for this feud. Although they did a damn good job with the video package. But when I saw Logan Paul's performance, I was like, you know what? Like, I, ha- I-, I have to give this man a round of applause. Because he made me care. That was a damn good match. And I'm not even mad at the ending. I'm not. What did you think about it? Yeah, that you know, it was really interesting because if there was ever any doubt that Logan Paul has some significant athletic ability, yeah, he's been doing this boxing stuff and he's been fighting tomato cans for the most part. So it's it's easy to overlook the fact that 
you know, is he really an athlete or is he a guy just pretending to be a boxer and beating guys that he that that are beatable? That that's up for debate. We can continue to play with that all we want. But this was the first time that I actually saw Logan Paul feature himself as a complete athlete. He did some amazing things, as you just said, and it was clear that he took this seriously. There is a person who spent hours training. There was a person who took bumps. There was a person who was following direction. There was a person who respected pro wrestling because we've seen celebrities come in and look like complete morons out there. And that wasn't the case with Logan. And they're Paul. laughing and they're smiling. They're joking. Yes. Yeah. And they're not. And, and more importantly, they're not taking direction properly. You know what I mean? They're not mm. in the places that they need to be. They're not allowing the cameras to catch the action the way that it needs to be caught. Logan Paul did everything as, as perfectly as you'll see. I mean, and it, it's funny because WWE is on a streak now. Bad Bunny, Logan Paul, obviously Pat McAfee, who's who's pretty well trained. Um, these guys are taking it seriously, mm-hmm. you know, and, and doing a good job at it. So shout out to Logan Paul. I thought that was fun. And I love the fact that the Miz ended up uh, – Giving him the the skull crushing. What's the Miz's uh, finisher? He ended up giving him his finisher at the end of the night. I thought that was mm-hmm. hilarious because Logan Paul deserved that little bit as well, just to remind him, yeah, you did one good match, but don't ever forget that this is my world. So shout out to the Miz for that. That was good. Man, I couldn't word. I could not have worded that perfectly. Like that's exactly how I felt during the match. That's a match I actually would go back and rewatch. And I don't really go back and rewatch matches that. We're on the you know the lower end of the card, but I definitely would go and rewatch that, you know. Uh, well, and, I, and I actually wouldn't mind seeing more of like of Logan Paul. I was just about to ask, see that. I'm telling you right now, Mo Muscles, Edge's throat goat. She's over here. She's drinking her uh, Coke flavored Jack Daniels, and uh, mm-hmm. I think it's giving her some type of telepathy because I was just <laughs> thinking, would you want to see Logan Paul wrestle again? And she just answered it before I could even ask. That's good stuff. <laughs> And that was not a liquor motivated decision. Um, no, I feel that way. I, I, like I felt it when I watched it. Um, when I rewatched the clips, I felt that I was just like, wow, another wrestler, sorry, not another wrestler, another outside celebrity that took this very seriously. Like I appreciate that more than anything. Cause yes, I do. I don't mind when um, they do have celebrities come in. I don't because I understand you do need star powers somewhere. Um, you know, um, you do need like a little comedic relief, but it's nice to see and to be pleasantly surprised when someone does come in and they take it so seriously. You see it, you see it in their body language, you read it in their face, um, they're executing the moves well. As you said, they take very good directions. It's just very pleasing as a fan to see people that come in and they respected the sport so much so that they took the time to learn. They took the time to train and um, just it meant a lot to them to walk out with having a match that fans will remember. Um, so that's just my take on it. Agreed. Agreed 100 percent. And and, you know, the, the, the big distinction there, too, you can tell Logan Paul is a wrestling fan. He's not just some celebrity there getting a payday. You could tell that he actually has taken the time to watch pro wrestling. He gets the concept. There's a lot of these celebrities from the past, and I don't want to diss anybody, uh, Snooky, but there's a lot of celebrities from the past 
who got into the <laughs> ring and you could tell it's like this person never actually they may have they know of pro wrestling maybe it's been on and they've walked by and saw it but this isn't a wrestling fan this isn't a person who understands what a match should look like logan paul clearly mm-hmm. is a wrestling fan right yeah, clearly him, and when we get to it, Pat McAfee, which is why I'm low-key obsessed with him at the moment, because Uh-oh. I just, again, I love it when you just show me that you're both a fan, and you care, and you take this business seriously, because outsiders tend to clown on us wrestling fans for being a fan of pro wrestling, because it's like, to them, oh, it's fake, it's fake, it's scripted. It still takes a lot of fucking training and talent to be good at this shit. Agreed. Like, you are an actor? You are a performer, you are a stuntman, and you are a wrestler. All, All in, one. in one. And you're putting someone and you're putting someone else's lives in your fucking hands. Yep. Like, yep. you know how hard that is to, to, to just juggle all that at the same time and you want to be like, oh, it's fake, it's fake. It has to be so that you could preserve people's lives. The fuck? And and here's the best part. We saw Dominic and, and Ray Mysterio and the Miz after the fact um, continue to, to perform, you know, since then. So what does that tell you? That tells you that Logan Paul didn't hurt anybody in the ring, which is the Mm -hmm. most important part. He took it seriously enough to work safe. I love it. I love it. A lot of you flippy dippy peanut butter skippy folk out there who don't respect the business, but you want everyone to respect you as a wrestler. Take take some notes here. If, if, If a celebrity can walk off the street and put on a match like that on a big stage like that, then you got to ask yourself, what are you doing wrong? And I'm just going to leave it at that for some of you folks out there. You know who I'm talking to. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Now, this was a match that you and I were anticipating and we spoke about. And we knew that we needed to see some type of get back here. I, I got to ask you, were you surprised, Mo, that 19 minutes and 10 seconds, considering the fact that Becky had defeated Bianca at SummerSlam so quickly, I mean, it was like less than, than 15 seconds. She knocked her out, and then that was the end of it. She got the pinfall victory. Were you surprised that this match went almost 20 minutes? No, it deserved 20 minutes because um, not for nothing, I would have been satisfied if Bianca lost the belt in at least a 10-minute match from Becky instead of that bullshit 26 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever the fuck it was, um, little punch in the face and fake-ass rock-bottom shit that she does. Um, this match deserved all the time that it did have and it delivered and I was entertained thoroughly the entire time. Okay. So, so here we go again. I'm glad that you're drinking your, your Coke flavored Jack Daniels. Cause what that tells me is that you will not be able to, to drive all the way here to Boston and beat me up. Um, cause we know that there's a reason why we call you Mo muscles. You definitely have plenty of muscles and Mo muscles. Let's find a way. Uber's a thing. <laughs> Uber and planes are a thing. <laughs> Listen, I'm a, I'm a, the, the gas is so expensive that, you know, we're going to have to jack up the gas prices before you hit the road here. You know, but I got to say, here's my issue with, with the whole thing with this match. I love the action. I felt like the ladies definitely did a great job. Uh, Bianca far more than Becky, although I, I did feel like Becky had her working boots on. Um, I'm not taking anything mm-hmm. away from the match. They they worked hard. They did a great job for the match, and it was probably the best wrestling match of the entire weekend. I, I it's It's my favorite of the weekend as far as action. No doubt about it for me. But here's my issue. For you to take Bianca Belair 
and have her get hit one time, two times, and then she's pinned and she loses the belt. And then she has to chase this woman around and she has to claw and scrape and do everything in her power to get back to this point where she can challenge for the championship and not only do it, but do it on the biggest stage of them all. I just felt like it was it was a disappointment that they didn't allow Bianca to just beat the living daylights out of Becky and get a decisive victory, not unlike what you would see from a Goldberg or a Brock Lesnar. Bianca Belair is a super athlete, and Becky Lynch is a twig. There is no reason that Becky Lynch should, should be able to hang with a Bianca Belair for 20 minutes, especially when she didn't even cheat one time in the match. She didn't cheat. It was a straight-up 50-50 fight. And it's like, it feels good to see that because we did get the payoff, Bianca winning, and the crowd went crazy. It was a huge pop. But here's my question. Is Bianca a strong champion? To me, they feature, they're featuring her in a way where it's clear that she's beatable, which means that it's easy to justify taking the belt off of her. I would love to see her dominate kick everybody's ass, go on a long streak. Um, and I'm not even talking about a Roman Reigns streak. I'm literally talking about a Goldberg. I'm talking about a Brock Lesnar. I want to see destruction. I want to see violence. I want to see decisive ass kicking so that when you finally do build up a challenger for her, it's worth the most money. And it can be the main event no matter who else is on the card. Right now, there's just something missing because they're treating her like she's everybody else and she's far from everybody else. What What do you think about that perspective? Um, I do respect your perspective a hundred percent. I do think that Bianca is a athlete. She is an athlete. Not that I think that she is. Um, and realistically she could be all the poor horse women's asses um, with one finger. Um, I feel as though <sighs> I see exactly where you're coming from. And I do um, I do agree with a lot of your points. It's just that with the way WWE is structured, they want to protect their four horsewomen and they see in their minds um, Becky as being, you know, top dollar and that they need to protect her at all costs. So um, I understand why it was 50-50 booking essentially with um, the match, just because they still want to make Becky Lynch look strong because she held the championship for so long and she was part of a historical um, triple threat main event with the women. Um, so I get where their pathologic was. Now, if, if it was, you know, booked by me, yes, but I love to see Bianca just snap and then just beat the dog shit out of Becky. Hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. Because she deserved it. I, I, if I was someone who got my ass beat in 26 seconds because I got, um, sucker punch or whatever then yeah I, I would be laying in all of them i would throw her, throw her body back and forth like a fucking ragdoll because yeah becky lynch is like 100 pounds soaking wet and i thought it was bullshit that she manhandled slam where the fuck she calls her name um bianca that was enough to put her down because as i stated previously many many times we watched bianca carry a 320 plus pound otis we watched her on her nxt matches double kod um, two other females at the same time. So why is this scrawny little Becky Lynch able to put her on 26 seconds and why is she able to hang with her? I totally get that. I totally get that path of logic. Um, it's just that in terms of like preserving their brand, 
I do get why it had to be drawn out. If it was booked by me, would I prefer if Bianca just beat her ass in 26 seconds after? Hell yeah. I would love that. But um, if I'm thinking about in long term, then okay, then what would you do with Becky Lynch if she just got it laid on her and she lost in less than 10 minutes? Like, you know what I mean? I, I would love if Bianca was at the top of the food chain, but I know that WWE will never put her at the top of the food chain. You know, she's, she's up there high enough to where she is above the mid-card woman, which is pretty much everyone besides the four horsewomen and Asta and maybe Alexa. Um, she is above them. They had uh, reinforced that with the audience. Um, but you, you know that they, they don't want to put her above the four horsewomen. Realistic, I will love that, but they just they just probably won't do that. However, however, I did notice on Twitter she did comment on how she has beaten three out of the four horsewomen. So maybe in the future, that's where she will be placed at. Because the only person she hasn't taken out yet is, I believe, Charlotte. Yes or no? I mean, they've they've wrestled before, but you're absolutely right. Charlotte has gotten the better of Bianca. For the most part, I don't know if Bianca's ever. Well, she did have a, a short feud with with Bailey. Um, that hopefully we get to run that back. So you're right. You're right. Charlotte is really the only one she hasn't decisively defeated, uh, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Listen, everything that you said is completely right. You're a hundred percent right, mm-hmm. and yeah. the logic behind it makes sense from a WWE perspective. And I guess this is where, for me, I challenge the rest of the fans out there, hey, take a look at the way that they're doing this and take a look at this bias here. Because on the men's side, you can take a, a Kofi Kingston and you can destroy him in seconds by Brock Lesnar and we never revisit that match ever again. It happened to Daniel Bryan as well and it took him a long time before he was back in the main event as the champion doing it the right way. Remember when Sheamus defeated him in less than 20 seconds? He, it was one kick and it was over. Um, we see these things happen in the same company. Why can't we have a dominant woman who is the equivalent of a Brock Lesnar, of a, of a Goldberg, even of a, of a Roman Reigns? I mean, one could argue that maybe Becky Lynch is the female Roman Reigns, but I don't even know if that's true. You know, it's just the, the mm. fact that they won't go all the way with a woman character and allow her to really be the star above all stars. I just, I, I have a problem with that. I, I, I really feel that that's not acceptable. And I think that there's a lot of room to grow there, but I understand the logic. Whereas number one, they don't want somebody to be so big that they overshadow the company. Um, number two, they clearly still don't feel that women are marketable and can make enough money to be put in that position. You know, even with Ronda Rousey, the way that they're booking her right now is just ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. She's not a baby face. She's, she's a person who's kind of a jerk, but she can kick everybody's ass. So that's why people like her. So just let her be that. <laughs> you don't have to work hard to market Ronda Rousey, one of the, the most recognizable athletes in the world. Like, why are you making her smile and act as if she really gives a damn about any of us? She doesn't. <laughs> You know, she wants to beat you up. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah. but you're right. You're absolutely right in everything that you said. And, and I think that 
there's room to grow and I'm going to keep pushing this, this issue here because I do feel that the women deserve to have that type of dominance. And when that happens, what does that translate into more money? There's no reason why the four horsewomen, Bianca Belair, Oscar, they should be making Roman Brock, um, Lashley, New Day. They should be making that kind of money. And the company is setting them up in a way where they, they're not. But that's artificial. It's not because these women aren't marketable and can't make the money. It's not like the fans won't buy in. There's other forces that are preventing them from hitting that next gear in terms of superstardom. And it just it frustrates me on a personal level because it doesn't have to be that way in 2022. You know? But um, next up here, the biggest surprise that wasn't a big surprise, Cody Rhodes, Seth freaking Rollins, Mo Muscles, Edge's throat goat. I know Cody is not Edge. I know Cody is not Pat McAfee. Um, but did you have a, a little a little uh, excitement deep in your loins there when you saw Cody Rhodes come out? I had chills. I legitimately had chills sent down my body when I heard Cody Rhodes' entrance. And I'm not even a Cody Rhodes um, fan. I used to shit all over him when he was um <clears throat> when he was in AEW. Um, because I didn't think he was a believable babyface, and I felt like he tried way too hard to try to be um, the John Cena of their company when fans didn't believe in that. Um, but when he came out, it felt just right. It felt like he belonged here, and he belonged as a babyface. Um, I was taken back that WWE didn't want to um, alter his name, because you know they have a weird obsession with um, changing names or taking off your last name or your first name. Um, I was surprised they kept his entrance. Um, I was not surprised that they gave him the entire fucking firework budget. <laughs> but when he came out, I was excited. Like I was genuinely excited because not for nothing. I just like Seth Rollins as a person, but as a worker, he is top notch. So I knew coming in that this was going to be a close to five star classic in my personal opinion. Um, and I thought it was a damn good match. It, it, it actually was for me, neck and neck of being my favorite match of night one, um, outside of course, Stone Cold coming in. But as far as legitimate wrestling goes, it was probably my favorite match in neck and neck to Becky Lynch and Bianca. From a, an emotional standpoint, the significance of all of this was fantastic. It was dramatic. It was historic. I mean, this is definitely a moment that's going to live on in history. And it let me know that, you know, Cody Rhodes never wanted to leave. He didn't want to leave WWE. He just felt like they were not featuring him in a manner that he felt he as a performer deserves. And in retrospect, he, he probably has a point. You know, there was probably a lot more he could have been doing instead of dashing Cody Rhodes with the mustache or later on Stardust, um, he had more to offer. So the fact that he left, stayed away from for a few years and learned some new things and reinvented himself, so to speak, and he comes back as that reinvention on his terms, I think that was brilliant. And, and, and kudos to WWE for doing the thing that they hardly ever do, which is swallowing their pride and allowing the wrestler to come back 
as the new and improved version of themselves. So that was good stuff there. Uh, the match itself, I felt Cody and, and Seth, they they took things too far at times. I mean, and you saw the way Cody looked at the end of the match. He looked like he was in a fight. Just beat up his face, his body. Just He was beat up. I didn't think all, some of that, that flippy-dippy stuff was necessary. Cody had welts on his on his uh just you know right above his his eyebrows there. I mean, literally, you don't get that unless somebody punches you in the head for real. <laughs> those are those are knuckle shots there, right? That's what I loved about it. It felt yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. So it looked like a fight. It looked like a, a genuine fight. I just felt like some of this, especially some of the stuff that they did outside of the ring, throwing each other on the announce table and all that. I could have done without that. And I didn't even feel like the match had to be as long as it was because the emotion of Cody being there was already so much. Did they really need 21 minutes and 40 seconds in order to do that match? You could have cut that match in half and I, and people would have felt just as good about it in my opinion, but it wasn't a bad match. It was, it was a very good match. And I think it was a great way for Cody to get back into the mix. Now, he needs to wrestle The Miz. I don't want to see him feuding with Seth Rollins right now. And it looks like Cody and The Miz have something going on on Raw coming up uh, this week. But we need Cody Rose and The Miz. The Miz, who is the reality TV star, he's a safe wrestler. He, he's the guy who managed to become champion. The Miz is everything Cody Rhodes wants to be but was never able to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, and that's despite having the last name Rhodes. So there is some natural bad blood. The Miz is basically Vince McMahon's guy. You know what I mean? And, and Cody was never going to be Vince McMahon's guy. So mm-hmm. th- there is a, there's a natural story between those two. And then you can bring their wives in the mix, which I think is, is just perfect as well. Um, there's a lot that can happen between those two. I don't know. It could be a little controversial if Randy Rose comes in with the... <laughs> You know, that shit that's been going all over viral on the internet. I'm not sure if WWE can take that. Listen, as long as Brandy doesn't come to the WWE calling herself a black bitch, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> okay. If she starts doing that, I'm turning the TV off. All right. Yeah, Let's... no, because I mean it was it was horrible. It was horrible but hilarious at the same time. And I don't think she realizes it. I think in her head she thought she was going into that promo thinking I'm that bitch. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna show these people up. <laughs> end up being the most terrible yet iconic and funny thing I think I've seen in recent time from uh, a female wrestler cutting a promo. I, I don't think Natty is funny, but the same way people feel that Natty is unintentionally funny, I think that Brandy Rhodes is unintentionally funny because she's blasphemous. I mean, you see how um, you see how people view Cody Rhodes and they made jokes about him saying that oh he's he's ending racism, and they got Cody uh, not Cody Rhodes, they got Brandy Rhodes coming in reinforcing it by coming in by saying I'm a black bitch. You know how fucking funny that is? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's funny for all the wrong reasons. It's like, we're not laughing because we think it's cool. We're laughing because of how over-the-top ridiculous and tone-deaf it is. And exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like, damn, you really <laughs> don't realize how how this is not it, right? Like, y- y'all think this is it, but it ain't it, you know? I- I'll-, I'll tell you. I think that a lot of people will say it's one thing for people to believe you're a fool. It's another thing for you to prove it. Um, And I'm not trying to be derogatory when I say that. I just think that 
Cody and Brandy overexposed themselves in a lot of way in AEW. And what we thought they were turned out to be something else, at least what they portrayed. I, I think it would be nice for them to dial that crap back in WWE. And that's not to say Brandy will ever be back in there, but I hope I hope WWE does something with her because I think that she's interesting enough to evoke some type of response from people. So she should have some type of role, short term, long term, whatever. But I don't want Is to she see Brandy. A valet? Yeah, she could be a valet for a little bit. I just don't want to see her making a mockery of herself. And that doesn't mean yeah. she can't do comedy, but she needs to actually be in on the joke and understand that it's a joke and not seriously be walking around calling herself a black bitch, um, trying to talk with some unoriginal, weird slang accent or whatever the hell that was that she did when she was yelling at um, Jade Cargill. Just that type, calling her Heffa and all this other oh, nonsense. It's like, look, you, if you got to try to be what outside people think is black, you're 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 messing up. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're 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 being a, a caricature of what other people assume is black. That's not culture. Took That's the not authentic. Right out of my mouth. Yeah, it's it just felt like nasty. she just sat down and watched her first black sitcom, and she just projected everything she saw on TV. It was so bad. That was it. It was that was so it. Bad. And and whether and whether that's what was intended or not, that's how it landed. And we're not the only ones saying this. And I think that, you know, they really got to take a look at themselves, and, and especially on, on Brandy's side, you really need to take a look at yourself and think about that. Whether you were trying to land a different way, that's how it landed. And there's merit to it. It's not just people being unfair to you. No, this is legitimate criticism here. It's not it. And the ironic part about it is when you were eating styles in the WWE, you couldn't find anyone saying a negative thing about you. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. She was, a, she was a ring announcer for the WWE, and she was doing the modeling stuff, and she was just a sweetheart, and everyone liked her. And, and people knew she was with Cody, and that was cute. How did we turn into this other thing? You know what I mean? So dial that stuff back. Get back to just being somebody that people can just look at and say, that's a beautiful couple. I want to cheer for these folks in life. And just leave it at that. You know what I'm saying? You. Um, do you think it was strategic? Do you think that they decided to just do something that was openly offensive just so they could somehow go viral? Because this is the first time um, anyone really acknowledged Brandy, to be honest, because a lot of people didn't even know where she was in WWE until she was in AEW. And then someone had pointed out, whether it was them or fans on the internet, pointing out that um, Brandy was previously in WWE. But, you know, she was just there. She was just... Someone who was pretty, who was just Cody Rose's wife. Do you feel as though she just kind of did that just to be viral? Because she had to have read the comments off of her promo with Jay Cargill. You know, she had to have read how people thought it was offensive. And then she came back with the same introduction a few months later. See, you know, it's a good question. And I do have a take on it. Um, Brandy is somebody who. When she left WWE, she she had a blog and she would, you know, open up about who she is as a person. And there was a lot of good stuff there and a lot of layers to it. And I would actively read her blog. Like I, you know, I, I find her to be an interesting person. And that side of her was pretty likable. Um, once they started appearing in Ring of Honor, New Japan, then eventually when when um 
Impact Wrestling, and then eventually when when AEW came along, it just seems like there wasn't enough. There wasn't somebody in the room who understood creativity and who had enough authority to say, no, we're not going to do that. That's not the best way to portray yourself. And I think this is what happens when you have people who think they're more creative than they actually are or who think they're more interesting than they actually are, who think that cough, they cough, know. The What's that? The cough, cough, the problem with AEW. Well, that's it, right? It's like you've you got to have clear guardrails. You've got to have somebody who has enough sense to say, nah, we're not going to do it that way. And there was no one looking out for them in that manner. Because even with Cody, I, I can tell that they're that they are serious about this crap because Cody really believes he's a babyface. And it's like, buddy, mm-hmm. you're more handsome than everybody. You're from a legendary company, uh, from a legendary family. You know, your father was was literally one of the greatest of all time. You have a a perfect ten for a wife. You, there's nothing likable about that. Like no one likes you for that. Which is why you're going to have to revel in the fact that you're better than everybody. So people could say, you know what? I don't like the fact that you're better than everybody, but damn, I like the fact that you're rubbing it in our face. Like it's, it's so sick that it's kind of cool. And the fact that he doesn't understand that that's the way that he's going to have to go is <laughs> just tone deaf. It's like, you're missing the point, bro. So while you're trying to be Captain America, everyone is just shitting all over you because this is not, it ain't it, you know, and, and, and on Brandy's side, She's trying to portray other layers of her personality. And then when people basically reject it, then she's conflating, well, they're just rejecting it because they're picking on me. You know, black people don't accept me. Uh, A lot of these white people are complaining or racist towards me. So they're just picking. It's like, no, 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 no. There are segments of the population that are doing that to you. There's no question about that. And those people can go to hell. But there's real constructive criticism happening here because your performance is awful and the creative behind that performance is awful. So you need somebody who actually can control and think long term about why this doesn't fit into this television program to stop you from making those mistakes, i.e. WWE. You know what I mean? If you're going to make a fool out of yourself, there's going to be a reason for it. And in long term, it's going to make sense somehow. You're not, you're not going to mm-hmm. go out there and make a fool out of yourself just because you don't know you're making a fool out of yourself like that. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> They're at least going to make money off of you making a fool out of yourself. So, you know, but I, I wish them the best. And I'm glad that Cody's back there. And I, I look forward to seeing the fresh matchups that he's going to have with everybody because there, there are some matchups that are worth seeing, and eventually him and, and Roman Reigns are going to have to wrestle, and that's going to be exciting. So we'll check that out. Uh, Charlotte Flair. a quick introduction. Is this a quick introduction? Because I found it very interesting when I had broke this down um, analytically. Um, I had said earlier about how AEW fans were crying and whining, whether it's on the internet or live crowd, about how they wanted a heel Cody Rhodes. But Cody wanted to be again in a position where he felt like he was the face of the company as a strong baby face. Do you feel like this was like strategic and how he went out the way he did on AEW with fans hating him to the point they're throwing back his weight belt? And then he shows up to WWE and, of course, to um, a lot of other people, not me included, 
Um, but a lot of other people who are fans, they still believe in the, the war, quote unquote, between WWE and AEW. You know what I mean? So automatically, Cody coming in regardless, regardless if they know of his indie work, regardless if they watch AEW or not, or just fucking just not thinking about any of that. Coming in, he was going to be invited in well, welcoming arms automatically as a baby face because to a lot of people who believe in the war it feels like they finally got a one-up on AEW to take someone who was um pretty much just I don't want to say the face of their company but they definitely was a flagship you know on their show um especially his position being what EVP or something like that um him coming in and then you know I feel like he kind of got what he wanted being the baby face that he wanted to be because it was going to be very hard to boo Cody Rhodes right off the bat because fans are happy. They're happy that they could finally shut on AEW for something. Cause not for nothing, AEW does have their momentum going. It was nice to kind of for them, WWE fans that believe in the war. Uh, it was nice for them to see this and just think hot huh, in your fucking face. So my question to you is, do you think that he could be the next baby face for the company? Do you think he could be like the um, front and center baby face for WWE? Because we don't really have one. Not for nothing. We don't necessarily have one. They haven't built up anyone properly to be the, the baby face of the company. It's been a long time. I mean, they tried it at Roman Reigns and it just crashed and burned until he turned heel. Um, do you think he could do that? And do you think that he got what he wanted? Do you think that this was planned out? That he could get what he wanted and be a baby face somewhere and be accepted with open arms somewhere? I think it's a happy accident. I, I, I don't believe that Cody in his heart of hearts knew that he was going to get a positive reaction at WrestleMania. And I mean, you know, and, and people say things in interviews, who knows if they're telling the truth or not. He did say that he, he didn't know which way it was going to go. And I, but I believe that I believe that he very possibly could have gotten booed out of the arena. So for that reason, I don't think that this was planned in that regard where he knew, yes, I'm going to go back to WWE. I'm going to be the, the triumphant, uh, hero and I'm going to continue to uh, be a baby face. And that's it. I think you're going to see, and, and, and we're recording this on Sunday folks. So, by the time you hear this, it, it will already have happened. But on Monday, when Cody and The Miz face each other, if The Miz is able to cut a promo, we're going to find out for sure who the WWE audience, how they feel about Cody Rhodes. Because I got a funny feeling they're going to turn and they're going to start treating Cody the way that I expect, which is that at least half of the audience is going to boo him out of the building and they're going to cheer somebody like The Miz. Because The Miz probably more than anybody in the WWE today, he represents everything about WWE. He's a safe worker. His wrestling style is, is not the most over the top. It's not even the most exciting. Um, promos are clearly more his thing. And he's kind of annoying, but it's hard to deny the fact that the guy is talented and he finds himself at the top more often than not. The Miz is WWE. And Cody can't compete with that. 
because Cody is not that. Cody's a better wrestler. He's a more flashy person. Um, he has a family lineage. Like this, he's just different. I think he's going to get booed. And I don't think that he's ever going to truly achieve the top of the mountain status until he accepts the fact that he's a heel. And if he becomes a good heel, he's going to be a, a heel that gets cheered like Roman Reigns today, like Ric Flair before, like most of these guys. But I don't think Cody will ever be the white meat John Cena babyface. It ain't going to happen. No way. Interesting. Okay. It's just, I, I ask mainly because, they, again, they don't have a proper babyface prepped that anyone cares about. So I was wondering if in their minds, did they think that they had an opportunity with what they pulled with Cody Rhodes at the timing that they pulled with Cody Rhodes? But you're right. It, it could be a situation where um, fans stopped caring. You know, the high already happened. He showed up to WrestleMania. He did what he did with Seth Rollins. They could immediately stop caring and side with the Miz. So you're you're absolutely correct with that. Well, and you just um, made me realize something, uh, Mo Muscles. I, I don't think WWE has had a baby face truly since John Cena. Everybody nope. else has been there for a little while, like a, a Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, a Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else has been there for a little while, but no one has they been, had it with Kofi. Yeah, they could have had it with Kofi if they would have allowed him to continue to just be champion. Um, but no one has been John Cena where it's like, this guy's a baby face. End of discussion. That's it. There's no, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how you feel about it. He's a baby face. You know, um, I think the fans are going to completely reject Cody as being some type of hero. Cause he's not a hero. He's a jerk, nope. but he's a yep. jerk <laughs> that you can like because he's good at being a jerk. I mean, literally he was a bully when he was, I don't know if you knew this. Cody Rhodes and, and um, Xavier Woods, they were rivals in high school as high school wrestlers. Yeah, I read about that last night unintentionally. I was looking at Xavier Woods' facts out of just curiosity. I was bored, and I read about that. It's very intriguing. Cody used to used to basically bully uh, Xavier Woods. They went to different schools, and you know their schools competed against each other from time to time. But Cody was kind of, a, and I think at one point Cody Cody even stole a girl from Xavier Woods. Uh, they both were trying to date the same girl, and Cody found out Woods liked her, so he went and got her first. Just interesting stuff. Um, he would do that. He, but see, that's the thing. That's not a baby face. That's a guy who's nope. a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Fucking exactly. And, and we could, and we could. That doesn't mean we can't like him. But it's like if you're gonna be bad, then be so bad you're good. Don't pretend like you're good when we all know that you're a jerk. Like that, the the but, Miz is a jerk. Okay, we don't have to pretend to like the Miz because he's this nice. No, he's not a nice guy. He's a guy who busted his ass, and he feels that you know what, you need to respect me because no matter if you like it or not, I'm on top. And it's like, damn, I like that. I, I like that type of self confidence and that type of reality. Um, and I think Cody, in a lot of ways, has similar qualities where it's like, buddy. You're not a good guy. You're, you're kind of a, I don't, I don't trust you. But if you embrace the fact that, yeah, don't trust me, like Randy Orton does, then it's like, okay, then it can become kind of cool. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's a, just my last, 
Oh, I'm sorry. My last introduction point is just that I feel like that's a problem with WWE, though. I feel like fans prefer the heels. We haven't, like you said, had a genuine baby face like John Cena. And it's just like, when, when will we actually get that? Are they working on it? Have they given up any idea? We have way too many heels. Um, and that's why a lot of the segments don't feel like they're important because they're people that are clearly pulled out of catering, who are given a little opportunity to just get squashed by the heel and it just it becomes very predictable we haven't had again a proper baby face um that's pretty much why i asked the question um with cody rose because i'm wondering if they saw any hope with him because if he's not it then who the fuck will be who the fuck will be the the long-reigning baby face of wwe and i don't think anyone at least from the booking perspective um, has been able to do that. Let, let me ask you a question to, to, to prove this point overall, because you said this is a problem in WWE and you're right. But I wonder if this is a problem in society. Is this just where we are in society as, as a people? Here's my question to you. When it comes to dating, the guy that is constantly complimenting you will do anything you say will honor Every single thing that you want honored will not push back, will not talk back, will not question you. When you're upset and, you know, you, you kind of want to have a, a argument or debate, he's not going to argue with you. You're right. I'm wrong. That's the end of it. Do you want that guy? Are you going to stay attracted to that guy? Or do you want the guy who's going to push back, who's going to tell you you're wrong, who is going to kind of be... You know, I, I, I wonder where he's at right now, and I hope he's doing the right thing, and I hope he's not being disrespectful. As as crazy as that sounds, which guy are you more likely to, to end up dating? Um, probably when I was younger, the heel. So, yeah, I guess by your logic, that makes a lot of sense as to why the heel's more gravitating to the audience. There's, There's more excitement. About the There's, more, There's more excitement. There. That's it. There's more excitement. There's more. Mm-hmm. But here's the crazy part. We hate them to the point that we cheer them. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And it's a problem, though, at the same time, because you do need a baby face. They did it with the woman when it came to Bianca. So I'm confused when I watch the men as to why they haven't achieved that yet. And it's not like it's impossible. There, there are people that we fell in love with on NXT, and then they get brought up to the main roster, and then they're just booked so poorly that we stop caring. And again, it was a lost opportunity with Kofi Kingston because I was I was there in attendance for that WrestleMania when he won. It was a very emotional moment universally for everyone that witnessed that. And it's just like, why did you not capitalize on it? It just felt natural. Nothing feels better than a baby face that is just naturally loved. Like, so I was just very surprised that they just didn't choose to continue with that. I'm not sure if they don't believe in Kofi. Um, I sure as hell did. Um, I don't really care to have a baby face. But I feel like it's that's, for me, what's missing out of the men's division. There's far too many heels, and there's not one baby face that's someone that we just care about. Besides Pac McAfee, I feel like everyone really likes Pac McAfee. He could possibly, if they care to make him an actual wrestler and not a commentator they can actually do something with it because i don't know anyone that has anything negative to say about 
they just love him because he he reminds us of us he was a fan just like us except that he's living the dream he's living the dream both on side as a commentator being present and having having these opportunities in the ring um you know so I don't know if they're going to do that, but that's what I think that is missing. So sorry for uh, going over time with this Cody segment. I had so much going through my mind when watching this beyond the match. It was just more so what is going on behind the scenes in terms of where they're going to go in the future years with this. No, it's, that's I mean, just you, where my, you, my brain just goes. You're giving great analysis. Mm-hmm. It's great analysis, and, and, and I love it. And I think you, you're bringing up a, a strong point here. Um, a lot of people say, Baby face and heel, that's old school. Pro wrestling is not about that. We need to be more modern. But there's a reason why the wrestling industry as a whole is not doing well. And anyone who says it is, is a bold-faced damn liar. The pro wrestling industry is on a downswing, and it has been for a couple of years now. Here's the reality of the situation. The WWE is killing it. They're making money hand over fist. They're starting to tap into revenue streams that they never really explored or exploited per- previously, not to this degree. So you can get lost in the amount of money that they're making and assume that's indicative of the industry. That's not the case. Impact Wrestling is failing. Ring of Honor just got bought out because they were failing. AEW still hasn't turned a profit. What does that mean? They're failing. Pro wrestling, New New Japan pro wrestling can't penetrate the American market. They continue to fail through their expansion. Pro wrestling is not doing well right now. But when we start peeling back the layers, you got to ask yourself, is it as simple as we don't have enough good versus evil storylines? Are we not building up enough baby faces to challenge these, these heels? Because... You know, it doesn't matter what you look at. The most successful things out there genuinely, most of the time, involve good versus evil, all the way to the damn Bible. (laughs) You know, you have God and then you have everything that's the opposite of God, right? So Mm -hmm. we were all in the Quran, whatever religious text you want to say, but we were all brought up with these concepts and it's easy to understand. There's light, there's dark, there's good, there's evil. So when you don't rely on these basic elements, you're putting yourself in a position where it's much harder to not only uh, grab people's attention, but maintain that attention long-term. And that's why less people are watching pro wrestling, less people are, are, are um, interested. And it's just a, it's a market that's saturated with a lot of folks who probably shouldn't even be in the wrestling industry, which is a whole other story. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I agree with you 100%. Um, Charlotte Flair, she defeated Ronda Rousey. I, I'm not sure if there's much to say about that match other than, you know, I don't know what they're doing with Ronda, but okay. I'm glad I'm glad Charlotte won. <laughs> I'll say that personally. <laughs> um, well, uh, for me, I was in the minority of the group that when I watched it, I actually was impressed because Ronda has been – consistently demonstrated uh, demonstrate to us that she just doesn't give a flying fuck. Um, whether it's in her promos, whether it's like the little, you know, a little cheap punches she'd be given. Um, her whole demeanor just shows that she doesn't want to be here, that this is just a paycheck for her and her family. So 
So I came into this match being underwhelmed because A, I previously liked Rhonda, then she came here, got an opportunity handed to her, that she stole that was supposed to be given to Sasha Banks. You would think that she would be grateful and she would just take this momentum and run with it. But no, she was being an ungrateful cunt. And she, um, you know, she has this opportunity with Charlotte Flair. And I already dislike Charlotte. You know this. Um, I hate watching Charlotte Flair matches. They just, they, they irate me for, for many reasons. But um, the match itself, I thought, was really good. Very, very good. Um, Char- uh, not Charlotte. Rhonda pulled out a lot of moves that I wasn't expecting her to pull out. She clearly was practicing. And she took the match very seriously. Um, I know that the finish to it was very controversial because people didn't like the fact that it, you know, it ended up in a, in a little cheap pin. But at the same time, the way I looked at it, I was like, okay, this was such a good match that I wouldn't mind seeing them go at it again. They both have finishers that are submissions. So the fact that it didn't end in a submission uh, finish just tells me that this was meant to be a feud that continues on. And I wasn't interested in the feud at all. I didn't care. Even when they tried to pretty up the video package, I didn't give a flying fuck. But the match itself was very good. So I'm like, okay. In the ring, these two work very well with each other. I don't know what's, what is their relationship off screen, but they work very well with each other. Um, outside of Charlotte's Bosch moonsault um, and her sloppiness, I thought Rhonda did a pretty fucking good job. Um, I, I was applauding the match up until I, I, uh, I have read her, um, her response to her not main eventing. And then that immediately took the air out of me and applauding her match because I'm like, really, really, you ungrateful bitch. You fucking already took Sasha's spot at the rumble and you got this opportunity handed to you. You lost your you lost your match at WrestleMania with Becky. And now you're being interjected here in a WrestleMania match with Charlotte. And you thought that you should go after Stone Cold. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you're not the money match. Charlotte versus Ronda is not a money match. Maybe in Vince's eyes, it's a money match, but to us fans, it was the match that we went into feeling like it was it was and it should be an afterthought. So similar to you, I was happy that Ronda lost, even though she did impress me in her match. I was very happy that she lost. For the first time in a while, I actually wanted Charlotte to win. And that's just my take on it. So so that's a that's a, a, a serious take there. And I just want to say that report that Ronda Rousey was upset she didn't main event, that w- that was proven to be not true. Wasn't that was a that was a oh. rumor that was completely false. In fact, Rhonda put out a statement saying she had absolutely no problem at Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling his first match in 20 years. Who the hell would Ronda Rousey be to ever claim she's supposed to headline over him? Um, because you know, Dave Meltzer and his ridiculous self, he put it out, his wrestling observer uh put it out, and one of the it, part of that report was. Ronda was so upset that she left uh, SmackDown or something like that. And Ronda pointed out, yeah, I left because I have a kid and I needed to go, you know, feed my kid. Well, she's right. She has a baby. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what what do you think this woman is doing? How do you think the kid gets taken care of? Right. 
And I know Becky's going through something similar. I mean, it, it just is what it is. She has other responsibilities in addition, but there was no heat. There was no upset. There was none of that. Uh, just a, a somebody feeding Dave Meltzer some negative news that they knew was negative and false just to see if he would print it. And like an idiot, he did. Good job, Dave. You continue to mislead uh, the fans out here, and that's why you continue to lose market share as a as a media entity. So I'm, I'm all Should for that. Yeah, I'm all for that. Well, in that case, I retract my statement then. Um, no, but you, I, but I, I appreciate you bringing it up. So it was a good match. I, I appreciate you bringing it up because that's indicative of what's wrong. These we we, we have given too much power to these these rumor guys who claim to be journalists and claim that they're, they're doing wrestling news and all of these other sites repeat it. So you end up assuming that, well, it must be true. And then it's like, unfortunately, these guys are just talking out of their, their neck and it, it, it's not true at all. And it's, it's preposterous. You know what I mean? When you really think about it, Ronda Rousey would have to be a complete and utter moron to ever think that she should, she should made event over Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's returning after 20 years. The, literally the biggest star in the history of wrestling. How the hell could she ever main event over him in this in this type of situation? You know what I mean? Oh, of course. So, so she would have to be so tone deaf that it's like, you know what, maybe this lady just needs to go away because this ain't going to work. But no, that that's not, you know, fortunately that's not what happened. But I, I appreciate you bringing that up because any chance I get to point out the the foolishness that happens in wrestling media i'm always up for that um the in fact let's get to it you know the the main event for saturday was stone cold steve austin in a no holds barred match against kevin owens austin won all of his bad knees and and his broken neck and you know the guy was taking a few bumps and he was clearly blown up in the beginning He, he clearly was winded even when he was doing those mud hole stomps in the beginning, you, you could tell there just wasn't enough gas on those. But something happened after he took his first bump when Kevin Owens gave him a suplex on the floor. And I guess it must have just been Stone Cold realizing, wait a second, I can do this. I didn't get hurt. Kevin took care of me. Okay, so let me, let me take the gloves off and really show what I can do. And then suddenly it's like he got a, a bolt of adrenaline and he was going almost full speed, man. And I was like, damn. That's Steve Austin. So it was really, really interesting to see a guy who was told by his doctors, if you take another bump, you'll be paralyzed or you might even die. It was really interesting to see this guy 20 years later out there taking bumps. What did you think, Mark? Um, To me, it was the best part of night one. It brought out the little girl in me. Um, I was super super duper excited. I did not expect to actually see Stone Cold actually lace up his boots and get in the ring um i wasn't expecting a five-star classic i was expecting stone cold to go in there and be as safe as possible up until i saw the cement suplex i was like oh okay this is happening (laughs) you know but i couldn't help but to think wow like stone cold is essentially kevin owens hero I would love to know what was going through his mind the entire time to know that he was the one to pull Stone Cold out of his ranch. I know WWE has been phoning this man every single WrestleMania. He please come out, he please come out. And this man has been tearing them down left and right. You know, I wonder what it must have felt like for Kevin Owens in his position to um, be able to pull out his hero, to be the man to pull out his hero and to get him 
to fight because I was expecting just a segment and I was more than happy with just a segment because I value Stone Cold. I value his legacy and I value um, him preserving his body. I'd rather a legend be uh, here for as long as I could possibly have him around than to them than for them to have a bad match and one bad bump that, you know, could forever paralyze them or just compromise their health. So when I was watching, again, I was excited. I was shocked and I was excited. Um, of course, yes, Kevin Owens was the one um, getting his ass beat for, what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. But it was fun. It was exciting. There was times where I laughed. There's times I had the nostalgia with um, him drinking beers and giving the finger and him fucking spitting beer out in Kevin Owens' face. You know, or that little stick that he did where Kevin Owens tried running away and he got on the ACV, couldn't figure it out, Stone Cold on it, and then he tried making him feel like he was going to crash. I laughed. I had a good time. Like, again, it was that moment where I remembered why I started being a wrestling fan. I had so much just joy in me watching this full segment. Even if it was slower than the Stone Cold that we remember, even if he was gassed, I did not mind any of it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just happy that he gave us one last match and he just reminded us why we love this badass Rattlesnake. I was so happy. And I'm still happy. I rewatched it again with my my dad because my dad was the one who um, put me on to wrestling. So he's a huge Stone Cold and Rock fan. And even he was grinning. It was a moment. And that's that's what it was meant to be. You weren't supposed to take the match seriously. It was something where you were watching just for nostalgia and to just have a moment. And I feel like us as wrestling fans that have been watching for a long time, it was just it was just a to- a good time. It was just a good time to just, you know, reel it back a little bit and just laugh and smile and just remember why we started watching wrestling so that's what it was for me um i'm very happy for kevin owens very very happy for him he must have been it must have been hard as hell to fight back a grin being in a match with stone cold because i i wouldn't even know what to do being in a ring with with someone that i looked up to that i idolized but he got to do that um so good for him like I said, it was, for me, the biggest highlight of um, WrestleMania in general. How this whole entire WrestleMania felt like it was dedicated to Stone Cold, and I'm perfectly 110% fine with that because he deserved it. You know, I, I agree 100%, and um, I know that, here we go again, Dave Meltzer. Meltzer and his crew, all the reports about Owens being unhappy in WWE, and he's being buried, and he's going to leave. And reports say and sources say and all this other garbage. Kevin Owens stayed in WWE. He's making more money than he ever made before. And he just main evented WrestleMania. Take that and shove it in your ear. Okay? That's what I'm talking about right there. Hey, Dave, get rid of your sources, pal. You don't have them anymore. Okay? People are making a complete mockery out of you. You, you sound like a complete out-of-touch fool. The way that you've been reporting this stuff and just being completely wrong, it's, it's embarrassing. It really is. Because Kevin Owens did not leave. He did not sign to go wrestle in front of 7,000 people. No. 
He just wrestled in front of over 70,000 people and main evented. Okay? His career is complete. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, the guy's done it all at this point. He's won all the championships he, he could win in WWE. He's just main evented WrestleMania. What more is there for Kevin Owens to accomplish other than just count his money? Taking care of his family for life. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And shout out to Stone Cold. The old man showed he still has it. And now the question for me is, will he show up in Saudi Arabia? I mean, if, if Goldberg can get a million dollars for a match, then what can Stone Cold Steve Austin get? I can't wait to see it. And I hope it does happen. Um, speaking of entertainment, let's, let's jump through Sunday now real quick. Johnny Knoxville defeated Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is another guy that, according to Meltzer and his band of merry uh, misfits, sources say, sources say, Sami Zayn signed with WWE, and he's in a match against Johnny Knoxville, which, quite frankly, generated the most mainstream attention of all the WrestleMania matches. Imagine that, you know, uh, Sami Zayn was able to be mentioned by Knoxville when Knoxville was having interviews on the tonight show and all these other things. Sami Zayn was on the red carpet for the premiere of Jackass, which was the number one movie in America and one of the top grossing films around the world. It's, it's like, he's living a life, man. Premier spot. No, no two ways about it. And that match alone was just hijinks. It was ridiculous. As you just said, uh, it was not something to take seriously. You made reference to that in, in the Stone Cold match. This jackass match, we knew what it was. It was just a comedy spot, but it was hilarious. And, and especially, my favorite part was when Wee Man picked up Sami Zayn and slammed him. The greatest slam of all time. Bigger than Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Not because of the significance in pro wrestling, but I'm talking about as a physical feat. Think about how small Wee Man is and think about, I mean, Sami Zayn is not a small guy in his own right. He's a big dude. So the fact that Wee Man was able to pick him up, hold him and slam him, it was just incredible and, and did it safely, by the way. He didn't drop him on his head or something like that. It was incredible. So I really enjoyed this match overall. There were some spots that were kind of silly, like the, the big mousetrap that didn't work and they had to make it work. Or the mouse traps on the on the tables. There was a whole bunch of them. That was a little ridiculous. But overall, I, I thought this was a fun match. And most importantly, it woke the crowd up. The first three matches, the crowd really wasn't as hot as they could have been. Um, they started to wake up during the Sasha Banks and Naomi match against Carmella and, and, and Zelina Vega and Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Natty, and Shayna. But that match was kind of a cluster, unfortunately. Those ladies deserved a lot better than what they got. Um, this this uh, jackass match was the match that I felt really woke everybody up. And uh, thank goodness for it. What did you think? Um, I mean, honest, like I said, there were some matches that I just didn't get around to. Um, a match I wasn't... Uh, exactly looking to recap on was uh this match right here but i did hear very good reviews about it i heard that it basically um for fans um it uh they kind of revisited the attitude era just had so they sure did i guess that i am assuming that's what woke the fans up um i like i said i didn't watch the match so i can't really commentate on it um but 
if that was the case, good for Zami, Sami Zayn because uh, I feel like he doesn't get treated as well as he should be. Um, I don't particularly care for the guy he was working with. Hence the reason why I didn't care to watch the match itself. But if it was a good match, good for them. Good for fucking them. Because um, night two <laughs> compared to night one, night two compared to night one wasn't as exciting. Um, so, again, definitely good for them. Well, you, you heard that, Johnny Knoxville. She did not give a damn about you. So we're going to move on. Uh, Edge versus AJ Styles. Here's somebody that you do give a damn about. Edge. Yep. Um this uh-huh. guy who, I don't know, is he a cult leader now? Like, what's going on with him now? Is he, a, like, what, what's, is he the, is he the new minister of darkness now that the Undertaker's retired? Is that who Edge is now? Because um, this new look that he has is just totally different from the type of uh, stuff that you normally share of Edge, Miss Edge's throat goat. So mm-hmm. is this, is this darker side of Edge? Is this still okay with you? I mean, I still stand on what I said last podcast when I said I was genuinely pissed off at Beth. I'm blaming her for all this. I don't care. But um, I was genuinely mad at her because I should have got my rated R Superstar Edge in full heel action. But um, I didn't get that. This is the heel turn I got. And I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's just that, you know, um, if I have the option, I want the prick asshole charming lover boy not even a lover boy because he's more of a manipulator opportunist edge in rated r superstar form but this i don't mind because in a weird way um it feels like an extension of his old stick um you know the whole vampire thing that he did it feels like an extension of it but it does also feel like and I have the same feeling that he is paying somewhat homage to the Undertaker because we did have an appearance from him where he just showed up for less than 10 seconds and then walked away. Um, I'm wondering if this was kind of tied in our plan that we somehow continue his legacy vicariously through Edge. So when I look at it through that spectrum, I, I try to deal with it. However, I'm not going to lie. It's a tad bit boring. It's a tad bit boring. I feel like a lot of the segments that he's been placed in has been just not as exciting as I planned for him to have when he had his return. Um, I was happy that we had a dream match. I was super happy that we got the dream match that's been on my list for Edge, which is him versus AJ Styles. That's what we got at WrestleMania. And it was one of those matches where I thought it was very good, but it wasn't. It wasn't a match that was talked about very much. What do you think? I agree with you. It, it definitely it got lost in the shuffle. I, I think that's the the main idea there. There was just so much going on. It was really tough for this match to break through, um, and that's okay. I mean that that just tells you how good of a card it was. Could this match have made evented most pay-per-views? Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, but on this on this WrestleMania card, it just it wasn't the most interesting thing going. Now, here's the irony of that. I think by the time we hit Wrestle by the time we hit SummerSlam, I think Edge is gonna be in a position where whoever he faces, you could make an argument that they should be in the main event. So 
stay tuned for that. I think I think this new character, this updated character, is going to drive him right back to the top of the card. So, and I'm all for that. I think that's interesting. But you know, do you think? Oh, do you think that he would have been more entertaining? Does Snatch would have been cared for more if he would have came back as the rated R superstar against AJ Styles the way that us fans envisioned? I think that you're a real Edge fan. So I understand what you, (laughs) you literally, (laughs) you literally lay it all on the line for him. So of course, so, so I think that what you envision and what you like about edge, um, I respect that because you're a real fan of his. So it's, there's something that you see that the average wrestling fan may not necessarily see. I don't think the rated R superstar, I don't think there's any money in in that character in 2022. I think that character is, is kind of, it's all been done, but I think this new leader of a stable who's going to cut these dark promos and kind of getting back to, like you said, the brood edge, the original character, but the, the elder updated version of the original character. And you put a couple of younger guys around him who are sick individuals as well. And they're just out here to just create chaos and destruction in an evil manner. Um, I think there's money to be made there. And I think that, again, that character, you can justify putting in a main event program. The Rated R Superstar, I don't think, is a main eventer in 2022. Why not? Again, it's just, it, it's an old, tired gimmick that is not credible enough to put in there and make money against some of the top stars today. Like, there's no money in, in Rated R Superstar versus Brock Lesnar. Or, or Roman Reigns right now. But this this cult leader, this this evil uh, genius kind of guy, I think there's money there. If you put that person in against anybody, I think you can make some money with that. I argue that um, both would have been very entertaining and there's money in both because the half of the reason why I fell in love with Edge is just his character itself. Um, part of him being the radar superstar, which is him just being just an out front cunt and asshole. Um, it was just funny. His promos were entertaining. Um, you know, so I think that it could have held up. However, he is old. He is getting up there in age. Um, so that's the reason why I kind of folded to him doing what he's doing now. Cause it's not bad stuff. It's just that it's not what I wanted. Um, but I support what he's doing. I support what he's doing. Um, I like the little faction that he's slowly building. Um, I heard, uh, not I heard, I know Damien Priest is there, but I had heard that um, eventually they want to add Rhea Ripley. I don't know if that report is going to be true or false. But if that's the case, that's, that's great. Because one thing I love about Edge is that he has a very good heart for this business. And I love the fact that um, he's utilizing his position to get other people over or to get more eyes on people who deserve it. You know, he has that pull. Um, he knows he has that pull and he's using it for good. So that's why I can't hate on what he's doing right now. Is it a little bit slow for me? Is it a little bit boring for me? Just a tad, but it's not bad stuff. It's just, you know, I felt the entire time since he came back, um, a lot of his feuds outside of the feud he had with Randy on screen promo wise, this hasn't been 
as exciting for me as an edge stand. And I love edge a lot. I clearly duh. Like if you see the fucking name, um, but, <laughs> um, it's just, um, I'm not afraid to criticize him where he deserves to be criticized. So, um, I enjoy what he's doing. I just wish they could, you know, up at this a little bit, but maybe it's just a story that I need to keep watching and I need to let it unravel. And maybe he has something planned that I'm not seeing yet. So hopefully I could catch up with him. Well, and, and I, I was very careful not to completely disrespect, uh, your future husband there. I, I was very careful there. So future, why we're that. engaged. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know if that's legal, but it's not my business. I'm not going to call the popo on you. I'm just going to leave that alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to a match that you've already made reference to Pat McAfee versus Austin theory and Mr. McMahon. So, so this is actually, this is interesting. Um, there were two matches in one. You had Pat McAfee against Austin Theory, and McAfee beat Theory. But then you had Mr. McMahon take on Pat McAfee, and Mr. McMahon beat Pat McAfee. So overall, what did you think of, forget about Austin Theory. He is what he is. We know he's a talented kid. Good for him. Um, and we know how you feel about Pat McAfee and his respect for wrestling and the amazing things he's been able to do in the ring. How about Vince McMahon, 76 years old, taking his shirt off, has the guns out, getting in the ring and uh, strutting around and trying to make it happen. Were you excited to see the old man? Oh my God. I can't, I can't get over. Not even, not even the match he had because fuck the match that he had. We knew it was going to be garbage. Um, It's that moment he had afterwards. I was happy to see that he actually got into the ring because I was lost for words from that bell rug. I'm like, no, no, he's too old for this shit. He's way too old for this shit. Did like, what, did he not learn from his quads being blown that he just can't do this? But he did what he had to do. I wasn't expecting nothing fancy, nothing crazy, but he did what he has to do. I just thought that would be it. But when we got to that point, <laughs> we got to that point where Soul Cole came out and tried to save him. Oh my God. It was the funniest thing, the most funniest fucking thing. I did not know that I needed in my life, but I'm glad I have it in my life. <laughs> Can we talk about the cell or do you want to talk about the match? Because I personally don't need to talk about the match. No, the, let's talk about the stunner. I mean, <laughs> what did you think about Stone Cold giving Vince a stunner and the way that oh, Vince sold it? My God, it was <laughs> that man folded like a lawn chair. Like and Stone Cold could even hold back his laugh. And I don't blame him. He softly kicked him. I didn't want to call it a kick. He grazed him. And his old man went down on his knees automatically. Then he was stumbling, trying to get up, and commentary was trying to save him. They were trying to save him by saying that Vince is running away. I started crying at that point. I'm like, oh no, he can't do this. He's too old to do this. Stone Cold, don't do it. Don't do it. And then, like I said, saying call back to him blowing out his quads. This man folded like a lawn chair, taking the, the slowest stone cold Steve Austin stunner I had ever seen in my life. It was amazing. It was diabolic and amazing at the same time. I needed that moment. I needed it. <laughs> I mean, shout out I to Vince McMahon. I mean, he, he definitely 
has a history of taking the worst stunners ever. Um, but here's the funny part. If Next somebody, his wife. Yeah, right? His wife, yeah, she takes a bad one too. But if somebody was going to do that move to you in real life, how would you take that move? I mean, think about it. You're, you, it's not going to look pretty in real life to take that move. So I think Vince, more than anybody, takes it the way that it should be taken. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to go down, but you're going down in a heap. And, and certainly that's what it was. It didn't look pretty, but it looked it looked more real than any stunner I've ever seen. I honestly think that he just gave out one and a half in. Like, I, at that point, I was a little bit concerned, too, when he went down. I was like, is someone going to check him? Does he have his life alert on? Like, can someone please go check on this damn near 80-year-old man that had no business being in this ring? But not for nothing. I just want to comment on this. He's in great shape. For his age, he's in phenomenal shape. 100%. Uh, just, yeah. Um, he did a little too much work on his face. I was watching it back again with my father, like I told you, and he couldn't stop commenting on his face looking like a mask because um, it did. Um, a little too much Botox, Vince. But in terms of just how he took it, uh, it was the worst thing i ever seen. But again, it was entertaining. I feel like the fans need to see that and have that moment. But I guess from your perspective, it makes sense because if Vince would have did a backflip and flew out the ropes and tumbled over three times, um, I would think that that, that, that is unrealistic and, that, and um, unnecessary because we already got a few crazy bumps from Austin Theory. Um, the previous night was uh, Byron Saxon, if I'm not mistaken. And, and then Pat, Pat took a, a really good bump. So, um, yeah, from that perspective, I can see it just being something realistic. Because what else did you expect him to do? What did we really expect Vince to do? He's never been good at selling anything. Well, and again, that, that's the way that it should look. I mean, in a real fight, competition, whatever you want to call it, it's not going to look pretty. It's going to look like people are not cooperating with each other, and therefore it's going to look pretty stiff. And, and certainly that looked like it hurt. <laughs> Vince looked like he was in some pain with that. Uh, Just so, off his shirt, he looked like he was hurt. The entire match, he looked stiff. <laughs> Did you not see the way he was walking? Oh my god! I was like, I, "Can someone please pull him back right now?" I don't think I want to see this. This is not how I want to see Vince McMahon go out. But, but you know what? It happened. Here's the best part about that, though. You could tell that Vince has that type of attitude where it's like, this is my company, mother effer. I'm a billionaire. You don't talk to me like that. You don't buck up on me. You know, Vince is the type that might want to throw hands if he has to. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So oh, that, my God. That moment. part I love. That was a fucking moment. Yeah. I, I loved it. I don't care what anyone says. We needed to see that. And honestly, I was fine if the show ended that way. As chaotic as it was, it was chaotic in a good way. And I was perfectly fine if it just went out that way. I actually almost forgot we had a main event because I was so wrapped up in that moment. I'm like, we really got two Stone Cold appearances. And we got Vince McMahon, who nobody needed to see him come out. But now that he's out and we saw him do it, you're like, you know what? Okay, Vince, I'll give you that. You may piss me off like most times and not out of the year, but I'm gonna give him an applause. I'm gonna give him applause for that performance because he was too old to be doing that. He could have definitely broken a lot of things. He probably broke something, but 
<laughs> we needed that. We needed that. It was good. It was a good time for me. It was it was bad in a great way. Yeah, very well done. Very well done for sure. Now speaking of the main event, I mean, what are your thoughts? Roman versus Brock, the the biggest uh WrestleMania event ever, according to all of the marketing. I still think um Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior is probably bigger. Even Hogan versus Andre is probably bigger too. Rock in Austin certainly is up there. But what what did you think of Roman versus um Brock Lesnar for the both championships there, the, the Universal and the WWE Championship? Um Okay, when I initially watched it, I, well, first of all, after I watched the Stone Cold thing, I thought the show was over and I was about ready to just turn over and go to bed. Um, then this happened, so I'm like, all right, um, well, it's a, a title unification match. It has to be something good or something exciting. And they kind of served us the same shit that we already been seeing. You know, Brock has about three to five moves in his entire arsenal. Roman Reigns has been expanding just a little bit on his moveset, but I was expecting just a little more, something special. And I understood later on, not that moment, but later on that uh, the spot where he dislocated his shoulder wasn't fake. He genuinely dislocated it and took it like a man, gave Brock a spear, ended the match and popped it back in. Um, the match itself, honestly, I feel like it's an afterthought and it will be an afterthought. Um, what it bought is amazing and I'm happy that they're unifying the titles. Um, but the match itself was meh, just meh. I I didn't really, I, I didn't really particularly care for it. I expected a lot more and maybe that was my problem. Um, cause Brock does what Brock feels like doing, which is not very much. He's not lazy necessarily. It's just, he's a gimmick. He's a walking gimmick in terms of WWE. So you shouldn't go into any Brock match expecting more than what you're getting. But to me, the most entertaining part of the entire match was everything before the match. I thought it was really funny that everyone took away the announcer's jobs and just <laughs> did their own announcing. It was corny, it was funny, it was entertaining, but the match itself, um, after the high that we had off of seeing Stone Cold and Vince, um, it kind of just felt like a dip. And then the show just, you know, happened. That moment just happened. What do you think? I agree. I mean, it was nice that it happened, but it was tough to follow everything else. And I think at that point, everyone was just exhausted. Um, so. You know, good job, good effort by the guys, but I'm more interested in what happens next. That match itself was whatever it was. So, but overall, WrestleMania, fantastic, fantastic time. Um, I love it. I want them to continue this format. I want WrestleMania to last all week. I don't give a damn about these indie promotions that want to go into the city where WrestleMania is happening and leech off of WWE. WWE is drawing all these fans. And you got all these indie promotions that want to do pop-up shows because they want to get some of the money out of these same fans. It's like, give me a break. You don't see that happening during any kind of weekend for AEW or Impact Wrestling or New Japan or any of these other companies. It's, it's amazing how many folks will sit there and disrespect the WWE all year round. And yet, 
they can't wait to run during WrestleMania weekend so they can leech off of them. I just find that fascinating, you know, and I think at some point, each and every one of these folks need to thank Vince McMahon for putting food on their plates for those of them that actually made some money over that weekend. There was a lot that didn't because, you know, international travel is not what it used to be. So there were a lot less people around overall who were spending money anywhere but WWE. But for those of you indie promotions that made money WrestleMania weekend, thank you, Vince McMahon. All of you need to send him a bottle of champagne or something because you shit all over this guy all year round, but you were so happy to have your hand out with your, with your hand in the pockets of these fans who were there for the, for the big show and not necessarily there for you. So that's my little addendum there. Um, but listen, Edge's throat goat, Mo throat, mo muscles, whatever you want to call yourself today. What's the best way that people can keep up with you? Because you give some great analysis. You know, we have a good time. It's entertaining, what have you. But the main idea is you actually know what you're talking about, which is why there was no way I could do this recap without you. Uh, what's the best way that people can keep up with you? Uh, the best way to keep up with me is definitely my Twitter. Um, you'll definitely see me posting all day. Um, just a bunch of random tweets or just me talking my wrestling shit. Um, so that's at Edges Throat on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to follow me, I just recently made a new Instagram. It's at Mo Throat, <laughs> what an underscore in the beginning. So um, feel free to follow me there. And also keep an eye out, folks. She's going to put up that uh, Jack Daniels flavored Coke recipe. She's going to be putting that up for you as well. I should. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>